theyeshiva.net. I want to give a special mazel tov to Reb Moshe, Reb Moshe Deitch, who's here, in honor of the chasen of his daughter last night, Shatayva Motzlachas. We have seen here a chasen come on the day of his chuppah to the shir. We have seen a, a father of a chasen come on the day of the chasen. But the morning after the chasen, that's a shtikl chiddush. So welcome. It's a beautiful, beautiful chasana. We should always be able to celebrate simchas with each other. So what was the main, the main point that we learned last time in the previous chapter? That the world has two, two elements that are both very real. On one hand... There's so much separateness, and that separateness is not a mistake. It's not a random. <laughs> it's not a random mutation, pun intended. It's uh, inherent to the fabric of creation, diversity, differentiation. What he calls his chalkos, in so many different aspects, wherever you turn, there's diversity. Even within one family, even within one species. Oh, <laughs> Where did you find it? In the Shemus? Okay. You always got to put yourself into the head of uh, the person in charge, yeah. So that's one aspect of the world. It's another aspect. And that is, there's a sense of unity. There's an interdependence. Things are interlinked, interconnected. I can't live without you. We can't live without each other. We, everyone is a giver and a taker. Not just by people. And the whole, the whole system of the planet and the whole system of, of the universe. Everything is interconnected. And that's the Nekud of Achtos. And he says, though both are true, one represents, one is represented by Shem Elikim, and one is represented by the name of Yudke Vavke. Elikim is the name that represents his chalkos. And that's why it's Lashen Rabim. It's in the plural. Why? Because it represents the Koyach Apoel Benifel, the unique divine energy that sustains and vitalizes the unique features of every single created being, including its distinct qualities that differentiate it from everything else. Shem Havaya is the Nekud of Achtos in the Briya. Havaya Echod, Hashem Echod. The Nekud of Achtos in the Bria. And it doesn't mean that the two are two separate forces that fight with each other, but they both exist. He says on a deeper level, it's really the same thing. Because in Hashem, in the essence, paradoxes are as logical as non-paradoxes. So all diversity, that's the greatest definition. Unlimitedness is also a definition. It's also a limitation. Sometimes the greatest limitation you can have is that you're unlimited. You don't know how to limit yourself. It's sometimes a very deep limitation. You don't know how to be in a relationship. Right? You have sometimes people, they're very big. They can't make space for anybody else. That's, huh? A jack of all trades and a master of none. Very well. Somebody who knows the price of everything and the value of nothing. So, obviously here we're talking a bit on a different level, but the Nakuda is... That bleak vol, infinity, is also finite, if it can encompass finiteness. So in the core, in Hashem, 
You have both. The way it comes out in a defined world is Elikim represents the Hischalkos, the differentiation that comes from the essence. And Havaya represents the Achtos. And the two are really one in the core. The way it comes out in the world is in these, in these, in these two names. And that's the real Achtos because real unity is not a unity that is defined by one thing. That's a very superficial unity. True Achtos is the unity that comes out from endless diversity and still it's all one. So Shem Elikim and Shem Avaya are really one. That's why we say Hashem Hu HaElikim. Hashem is Elikim. Elikim is Hashem. It's a very interesting halacha. And uh, Maritz Chius writes that people would make fun of this halacha because they didn't understand it. He says it in his commentary on Gemara. So it's brought in Masechah Sanhedrin. The Rambam brings it to in Hilchah Sanhedrin. The Rambam's words are, it's based on a Gemara in Sanhedrin, Sanhedrin Sheposchu Kulam Lechoiva, which means if you have a Sanhedrin, let's say you have the court of 71 judges, and somebody comes, and it's even a capital case, and they open up, and they all give a unanimous verdict of guilty, you have a vote. Sanhedrin is based on votes. You follow the majority. They all open up with a verdict, guilty. No, you would think, <laughs> send them straight to the to, to the death penalty, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, if seventy would say guilty and one would say innocent, we know what the verdict would be. You would follow the majority. That's how they didn't have another system. That's what the Torah says. That's the system of the Sanhedrin. Obviously, it has to be a majority of Sanhedrin, not a majority of people who don't know or don't care. You have to have a majority of people who dedicate their whole life to this type of research and wisdom and and seeking the truth and Yerush Shemayim, etc. But the halacha is, I mean, they they exonerate him. (laughs) They can't penalize him with this this punishment. So the Maritz Chiyos says people made fun of this. It's like... (laughs) So it doesn't make sense, right? If 50 people, if the majority said guilty is guilty. And if everybody says guilty, which means it's so obvious, it's like, it's not a no-brainer. So, so the Mepharshim struggle with this over the generations. There's even one shita. I think the Yaivet says, means, you send him right to his death. Now, it's such a difficult halach. He says, it doesn't mean you exempt him. It means... Like Baruch Shepatrani, you get rid of him. But it's a very difficult uh, explanation because everywhere in Allah, it says poitrin, it means you're pater, you're, you're exempt, you're exonerated. It's not Baruch Shepatrani, you get rid of him. I'm just bringing out how difficult Allah is that he even goes to say poitrin doesn't mean you exempt him. It means you right away, you, you just dismiss him right away, you kill him right away. There's no hesitation. So the Mepharshim explained, the Maritzchius explains, the Madrashmul explains, different Mepharshim, the fascinating idea. And that is, the Rambam is Medayik, one word. He says, Sanhedrin shepaschu kulam l'chayva. Paschu means the opening of the court. They opened the court. Everybody said guilty. There was no discussion. There was no conversation. Nobody argued. Nobody gave a counter-argument. Nobody said, one second, let's look at it from this perspective. So he says, that means that this person, this case, was not dealt with thoroughly. Because if it was dealt with so- thoroughly, there had to be a debate. There's always, there's always, there's always something to say about a person. 
Yeah. Study his background. Study the situation. Study the circumstances. It doesn't mean he's potter. But if paschokulam lechayva, you didn't, you didn't investigate thoroughly enough the particular situation. If, he says, if they discussed it, and there was an argument, and the one side persuaded the other side, and then they gave the verdict, then the Rambam wouldn't say patronize. He said, It was right away one side. What is this a dogma for? This is a dogma that to reach the truth of one side, you have to have the other side. If not, even this side were not convinced it's true. Practically speaking, if I never hear another perspective... So how do I know my perspective is thorough? It could be, it's just, you know, indoctrination. It's always through the paradox that you, you yourself reach a much deeper place of awareness. So this is an example for this. Even in much deeper levels and more spiritual levels, the real achdos comes out in endless diversity. And in the endless diversity, there's unity. That's a much, much deeper and more real form of unity. It's not a unity that's defined because everybody looks blue and everybody look, or looks red or, or says the same, addresses the same, looks the same. It's an achtos that is not defined even by the word achtos. It's real unity. So therefore it encompasses all the paradoxes. On the contrary, the more paradox, the more diversity, the more the unity comes out because it's a unity that's not defined by a particular image. So this for Hashem and Elikim is kulachat. And that's where the two elements in creation, it's not just two elements, it's really one. We define it as two things. Yeah, it's not two things. We define it as two things. That was the main, uh, the main thrust of it. Now God gets to the next, uh, to the next Nakuna. To understand this more, Chafalaf. Tzrichim lahaktim tchila, lahavin inyin, habez oisius, yud hei, deshem avaya, shem chinas, simtsum vespashtus. We said earlier that Yud Kei Vav Kei has four letters, Yud and He and Vav He. That's not Stam random, four letters. The four letters of Yud Kei Vav Kei, it says in Kabbalah and Ixidus, they represent the four worlds, Atzilus, Briya, Yitzir, Asiya. They also represent, if you break it down further, in each world you have all four letters. Chachma is Yud, Bin is He, Midis, the six Midis are Vav, and Malchus is He. It's called Chachma, Bina, Za, the Midas, and Malchus. So within each world you have the four letters. Why are there four letters? It means it's not just one undefined oneness. That was his proof that Yudke Vavke is also connected to differentiation. But it's the way all the differentiation is one. It's one name. But there's Yud and there's He and there's Vav and there's He. What's, what's the, it's not stamp four letters and four worlds. It's just four. So the explanation is, if you say Yudke Vavke, Havai is Loshen Mahava, existence comes from Yudke Vavke, means existence came out through four steps. And those are the four steps of communication. Yud and He and Vav and He. There's a Pasuk in Iyoiv. The Pasuk says, Azra, Vayisapra, Hechina, Vigam Chakra, Adam. He sought, he told a story, he prepared it, he investigated it, and he shared it with a person. It's an interesting passage. So the Medrash Tanchumah brings from Reb Acha that everything in Torah, before Hashem said it to Moshe Rabbeinu, he prepared it in himself four times. 
It's like before you give a speech, you prepare the speech four times. You say it over to yourself in your mind or in your or verbally, or you write it down four times. Not just use you don't say the speech once, you prepare it four times. That's what Hashem did. That's what the Lashnamad says. Then he spoke to Marsha. Then he called in Marsha for the speech. He said, Azra, that's the Lashon. Ra, Vayisapra, Hechina, Vigam Chakra, and then Vayoyim Then you give the Drash. I remember once I was a child, so it was Shabbos afternoon, I was standing by the Fabrengen of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. So the people would go over in the middle for events. We were making events, sometimes chasanas or big... Uh, or bikinusim or shiurim, so they would go up and say l'chayim. So there was a psashul making a big dinner, a banquet that night, Mitzray Shabbos, a big malavamalka. So they happened to have as a guest speaker my father, as a guest speaker for this dinner. The name of the shul was Avas Moshe, a Maple Street shul, Avas Moshe. So on Maple Street in Brooklyn. So I saw my father went up, and the Lubavitcher Rebbe gave him l'chayim, so he told him something, and he smiled. It was interesting, so I asked him, what did he tell you? <laughs> so he told me, he asked me, because was that night, you didn't prepare, you didn't prepare the drasha. So my father, he didn't prepare so much. <laughs> so he, you know, he made, he made with his shoulders. So he says, Mexich learning from the Meibrishta. The Meibrishta is a sugegrede drasha fair mal. Azra vayisapra echina vegam chakum vayvar vayoymer. So he says, if Hashem could uh, could prepare four times. You, c- you can also prepare four times, at least once. <laughs> I don't know why he wanted so much he should prepare the drasha, but that's what he said. But what's pshat? Huh? For today's class. Yeah. It was a preparation. <laughs> what's taka the pshat? I understand it's important to prepare. People who get up and they speak without preparing, you could see it. At least you could sometimes see it. What does Hashem have to prepare? A person prepares, why? You have to know what to say, how to say, and you also have to know what not to say, it's also important. But what's this idea, well, Hashem is preparing, because well, <laughs> he, there may be a confusion. <laughs> <Huh>? Exactly. <laughs> what's exactly the preparation? The structure, you may forget something, you want to make sure you have the word good. What's the idea? Yeah. It's hard to understand. But, but that's what it says in Medrash. So the Balatanya explains, Gewaldike, Gewaldike beer, that the preparation four times represents four steps, four steps in, in the communication of the divine energy to be able to be perceived and experienced by creation. And that's Yud and He and Vav and He. Shema Vayim Eloshin Mahava. It's not stam four letters. That's what the Medrash means. Though that those four preparations, first is a yud, then there's a hey, then there's a vav, then there's a. After that, there could be his havos. That is the source of his havos. So it's four steps of communication, of divine communication. That's pshat oimer benela benatzmai. Not that I'm afraid of the of the people. I'm going to make a mistake. I'm going to forget the joke. I'm going to forget the vart. I'm going to miss out the punchline. I'm going to forget the fundraiser. It's essential for levels and steps of communication in order to be able to bring it down from the divine source into a reality that we know. And that's why you have four elements. Atzilus, Bri, Yitzir, Asiyah. In Kabbalah, the four worlds 
our essential idea. What's Pshatis 4 worlds? Why not 20 worlds? Why not 69 worlds? In other places it says Taket is endless worlds. It says that. And there's many more worlds. But generally, all of them are defined. Atzillas, Bri, Yitzirasi. So again, it's yud Hey and vav Hey. Hashem has four letters. But each world, essentially, it's like an evolution. It's called Hishtalshalas, like a Shalshalas, a chain. It's an evolution or devolution, Rabbi Yaakov. Yeah, devolution. First time I said it, he said it's not evolution, it's devolution. Your wife probably. Okay, it's a pla gufa. Right? Devolution is megetarap. Megetarap. Hitpatchut, but depends which direction. So it's, it, 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 but it's, it, it evolves. Atzillus is the Yud, and then there's the Bri, that's, that's what we want to understand. What are, the, what are these four in Yana? What are these? And of course, Nasa Adam Betzalmenu Kidmuseinu. The Medrash is not saying it's Tam. Like the Rebbe told my father, from them. if Hashem did it, <laughs> right? So that means that's essential to the art of communication. The art of communication includes four essential four steps. Each step itself can have many steps, of course. Just like in Atzillus and Bri, there's so many different aspects. But generally, it's four steps, Yud and Hei and Vavah. What is the Nechuda? One is called Ra, one is called Vayisapra, one is called Hechina, one is called Chakra. So that's what we're going to see, the explanation. He starts with Yud and Hei, the first two. Now here you have to understand something as a Hakdama. And this is a very important introduction. And you have to be a typhus. All the Mishalim that we give have one problem. Not a problem, a, a good problem. If a teacher or a speaker or a lecturer or a shishiva, whoever it is, is communicating, right? The people who, co- who are listening exist before the communication. His communication doesn't create the people. It gives the people information, it gives the people inspiration, it gives the people motivation, whatever it is. In this case, the shear is not giving information to the people. The shear is creating the student. So now imagine this. Imagine if your words weren't only words, your words actually created the student who's listening to your words. He's not listening to your words, he's being created by your words. Okay? So the, what you're saying is not just what you're saying. What you're saying is going to define who is listening to it. We don't have that power. We don't do abracadabra could do. There's people, and I speak to them. You can hear, you can not hear, you can absorb, you can not absorb. I said it better, I said it worse. Effective, not effective. But what if your words, your sheer, doesn't only speak to the audience, it makes the audience. Who Omar Vayehi. Yeah, we said this morning in Davening, or gonna say, When I give a shi'ir, the world is not created. The world is here before, hopefully the world will be here after. That is what makes the oilam. So, ooh, this is an important shi'ir. Because the, the, the element of communication is defining that which you're communicating. So that's where the four steps are not just four steps. It creates four worlds. It creates four different types of realities. Atzillus is the shear, the way it's the first preparation, Yud. Bri is a different shear. It's hey. Yitzir is a different shear. It's not just this four worlds because God gave four speeches. 
It's a different type of consciousness. If the, if the Shia wouldn't go to the last hey, there wouldn't be Eilam Asiyah. There would be, it would stop by Eilam Ayyad Because there's a last hey, there's an Eilam Asiyah. You understand what I'm saying? Huh? You like Eilam Asiyah. What's the shlech with Yitzhidah? You want dinner betachtayna? Okay. You and Hashem both like Eilam Asiyah. Hashem is begufim. You understand what I'm saying? The distinction. There's going to be a marshal of a teacher and a student. It's a beautiful marshal, but remember the distinction. Here, the world is basically a shear. That's what it is. Yeah? Somebody said, I think, therefore I am. Yeah? Sometimes we say, God thinks, therefore I am. And here we say, God speaks, therefore I am. The world is a shear. It's a presentation. Hashem is giving a shear. It says in Mishnayas, Basara Mamaris, Nivra Ha'olam. It was ten shiurim, ten sayings. He gives short shiurim, not like some people. Short shayurim. Echad shtayim shalash, boom, next. <laughs> yeah, how long is Asayi Sadibris? How long? How long did it take? How long did Matan Taita take, you think? Huh? How long does it say Asayi Sadibris? How long does it take to say? <laughs> Even that was Bidibra. <laughs> so it's a few minutes. The whole Matan Taita is a few minutes. But those few minutes were enough. Right? If you know what you want to say, you don't need more than a minute or two. <laughs> if you don't know what you want to say, then 10 hours also won't do the trick. Huh? And you've appeared four times. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a letter from the Rambam. I saw once saw somebody wrote, I think the Rambam, he wrote to somebody, I didn't have time, so I'm writing a long letter. <laughs> I didn't have time, so I'm writing a long letter. Because to compress, is, is, is a great art. So the four worlds are essentially a reflection of the same shear in different stages. What are those different stages? So I'm going to say the Nakuda generally, and then we'll be more specific. Okay. Yud is a Nakuda. Hey is always an expansion, right? Yud is the smallest letter in the alphabet. We always say Yud is a seminal point. It could be smaller, but if... It's the closest you get to smallness. I mean, Yud is, is just, it's a Nakuda. A little line on the top, a little line on the bottom. It's called Kaitzer Shal Yud. The Yud has a little crown on top, a little a little thorn on the bottom. Kaitzer Elyon, Kaitzer Tachten. But the, the Yud is yesterday Nakuda. Hey is already expansive in his Pashtas. Then you have Vav. Vav is like a Yud, but it's a Yud that's much longer. It comes down. It's called Hamshacha. It's an extension. Literally like a channel, like a pipe, like a line, a kav that's represents a flow. And then there's a second hay, which is obviously the first hay is an expansive, expansion of the yud. And the second hay is an expansion of the vav. That's why it's two hays. Why not put in a new letter? <laughs> Mix it up a little bit. Give us more, you know, put into the cholent a fourth ingredient. And the answer is because the hays are important. The hay is the expansion of the previous letter. So there's the way the Yud expands and the way the Vav expands. The Yud is, does the, you have Hei La, the higher Hei, and Hei Tata, the lower. What does that mean? So very briefly, the Balatanya explains, we also learned it at length in the Maimah, we learned a few years ago in the three weeks, and the Shiva de Nechemda from Reb Hillel, Issa about Galos and Gaula, the whole purpose of Galos and Gaula, over there there's also a long section on this. So the Nechuda is as follows. When somebody wants to communicate, and this is really in all forms of communication, because from Hashem, it's not just Hashem did it. If He did it that way, that's how, that's how the system works. If that's how the system works, we're all part of that system. So communication has four elements. 
Two is within the mashpia. Two are within the mashpia, but it's about the makabal. Mashpia is the teacher, makabal is the recipient. Yud and hey, it's all within the giver, the one who's going to teach. Vav and hey are also within him. It's all preparation. Preparation nobody knows about. Preparation I do myself. But in preparation itself, there's Yud and hey, and there's Vav and hey. First letters and last letters. The first element of preparation is all within the teacher. Yud is an akuda. The whole message is summarized in an akuda. If you want to speak very practically, to say in the most practical sense, before you speak, you have to know what you want to say. <laughs> and that has to be able to be summed up in two words, in one sentence. If not, don't open your mouth. You'll see sometimes a person speaks and speaks and speaks, and you say, Vos Villa Zoga. And you'll ask him, topic, another topic, another topic, another topic. Yud is an akuda, it's an akuda. What's, what's the message? What's the, huh? Elevator pitch. <laughs> they call it mission statement. But even, even whatever it is, it could be a Shia Gemara, any Indian, yeah? What's the vart? What's the vart? Don't give me a 10-minute speech what the vart is. It may take you 10 minutes, it may take you 10 hours, it may take you 10 pages, but there's a yud. What's the vart? The yud is not enough. With the yud, you can't give a shir, you need a hay. The hay is, is, is the next level. The hay expands the yud. There's what I want to say, right? What? But how is it being built? How am I saying it? What is it made up of? A klal is a klal, right? I want to build a house. I have a vision. I want a house. I want a company. I want to create an organization. I want to create a website. I want to change the world. Okay, or more, more accurately, I want $10 billion. You relate? Beautiful, okay? Now, <laughs> what are the mortar and the bricks of, the, of, 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 of that vision? Huh? <laughs> All within the person. L'choyde, beautiful. Now say it. No, now you need a vav. What's the issue with Yud and hey? This is the big issue in communication. You are thinking about it from your perspective. But you're speaking to people. They don't have your perspective. They're in a different world. That's the vav. The vav is, you got to get on a sliding pond and go down. You got to go down. You have to now understand who you're talking to. This is not easy. What's their mindset? What are the, where do they come from? Who are they? What are their sensitivities? Right? In the world of business, when they coach people who are communicating, you're trying to sell products, you're trying to get investors, right? They'll always tell you, you know, articulate the need, right? Make him feel that he needs it. MS. If you don't do that, they say there was once a guy, a kid, a teenager, he needed a job. He was out of school, needed a job. So he came into a big company and he said he's Givaldic in sales. Givaldic. So the manager or the CEO sees him, he says, Really? Really? Convince me right now yeah. to buy a bottle of water from you. I'm not thirsty. I drank. Convince me right now. So there was a newspaper on the desk. So he took out his lighter and he lit the newspaper. <laughs> so the whole thing, the whole desk was down. All the papers were fighting. Water, water, water. He says, I have water to sell. <laughs> so I don't know if that's Mamash how you have to make a presentation. Light the place on fire. I don't know if he hired him or not, but uh, 
he was obviously a creative guy. <laughs> he certainly convinced him that you need water. What, but what does it really mean? What does it mean? If I'm not speaking in your world, if I'm not speaking to you, inside of you, it's meaningless. And you'll see, sometimes people, communicators, get up. They may be brilliant, but nobody, it's... Uh, it's the word is relevance. Zalor relevanti. Today, relevanti. Huh? You just got it. Relevanti is a good word. Karev elecha hadava miyayit. If it's not karev elecha, it's nice. I mean, there was no vav. Vav is a big avoid. Because vav, you have to go out of your own world. Not so easy to go out of your own world. You're communicating to your spouse. You're communicating to your children, right? You're saying beautiful things. But you have to know the other person's world, the other person's world. If you don't understand, sometimes your point will be completely misconstrued and have the opposite effect. At best, it'll just be meaningless. Sometimes even worse. But that's not enough. Now you need a second hay. A second hay is just like I had a first hay. What was the first hay? How my vision can be articulated in pratim in details. Now in the second hay. Once I know your world, once I brought it down, now how do I build it in your world? This is the real, the last thing. How do you structure a class or a presentation for the audience that they should be able to receive it? You get, you get it? You see here a moedadika thing that that this this four stages in Kabbalah and Chassidus it's literally reflected on every level. In other words, you could use this lahavdil not that that's the tachlis, but you could use this as a complete workshop of teaching people how to communicate. You need the four oises shemavaya, and the reason is it's not a mistake. It's not stam acute marshal. It's because infinity, infinity wants to create a world. A world of finiteness. How is Hashem going to give His shear? And He wants that people should get it. Remember, we're not only getting the shear, we're being created by the shear. So if there was only a yud, what would we look like? We would look like the shear, the way it's in the teacher's mind, the nakuda. <laughs> That's what the world would look like. What, 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 what would that be practically? What do you think? What would that world look like? Huh? What would you see? What well, is something? What would you see? Ah? You would see one Nakuda. You would see the Nakuda. There is such a world. It's called Oilam Hatzilis. That's Oilam Hatzilis. <laughs> the world Hatzilis, it's called Eitzel Vesamoch. Eitzel, close. It's called Oilam Ha'achdos. Why? It's basically going into the teacher's mind and seeing that nakuda. Everything is there. The whole st- in Atzilis you have apples, and it's, it says in the broad in Arizal. There's a tapuach in Atzilis. <laughs> so that's apples in Atzilis. There's oranges. There's even watermelon. I don't know sushi, but it's not an apple. It's not an orange. It's achdus Hashem. You understand? Yeah. So if it would stop there, that would be the world. That would be the student. But it didn't stop there. There was the second step of the shear. That's the hay. What's the hay? The hay is the way the yud takes on dimensions. 
I know that's your nekuda, but, but, but give me the structure of it. All in the teacher. It's still in the teacher. What would that world look like? That world would be an expansion of that yud. But it's still before the vav. There's no vav yet. So if the shear would stop, if the shear would come out right there, it would be moiradik. For whom? For the mashpia. But everyone is like, that went right over my head. What would that mean in creation? Went over my head. It means that we would not exist as we exist. And that's the Olam Habriya. The world of Briya is a world. It's a state of consciousness. When you, in Kabbalah, it says a concept called Aliyah Sa'ilamas, going up worlds or going down. It says davening has different stations. So most people, you read it, it's like, you know, Chinese. And even if you know Chinese, this is not even that. What Aliyah, Vu Aliyah, Ven Aliyah. So you say it's Vahelika Yid, nobody is shaykh to understand it. But really, it's not like that. The Balatanya wanted we should understand, at least on some level. It means going through layers, literally going through layers. It's almost like when you have the shear, and you say, you know what, I want to go through it. The Gemara says in Avodah Zod, it takes 40 years for the student to understand. It takes 40 years for a person to understand, to be oimid on the das of the Rav. And it's a raya from a pasuk. Moshe told the Jewish people in Kisavoy, "Leinasan Hashem lechem leiv ladas enayim liroyes as nayim l'shmoya ad hayoyim aza." Forty years after Yitzchak Mitzrayim, you haven't had a heart to uh, lay a heart to know, and eyes to see, and ears to. What do you mean? What? Forty years we're with you? No, no, no. You know, no, you haven't seen anything yet. Why? It takes forty years to unravel. So let's say you unravel. That's called Aliyah Sa'ilamus. If you go back. Any nekud in the world, any nekud in the world, right? You unravel it, you go deeper and deeper. From Asiya, you can climb to Yitzira, from Yitzira to Bria, from Bria to Atzilus. It's climbing from the hay to the vav, from the vav to the hay. After the last, so you have a vav, vav is, the hay is gewaldic, it's the expansiveness of the yud, but it's all in the mind of the teacher. It's my idea, I get it, and I have the whole thing. The problem is it has nothing to do with you. It will not speak to you. Now you need a vav. It's a whole new tzimtzum. And you could see sometimes, you could see sometimes, the, you could see, you, when you hear a shear, right? An interesting way of, uh, you know, they, they ask you sometimes to mark it, right? Mark. How was it in terms of the yud? How was it in terms of the hay? How was it in terms of the vav? How was it in terms of the hay? For example, you have somebody who gives a lot of details, a lot of details, and extrapolates and digresses and stories and mishalom. What's the yud? One of the worst things you could do if you're giving a speech is digress without a reason. People love doing it. Etzich you know, like the story with the Rav. He had one drasha on Kairach. And he would travel. But he only had one drasha. What do you do, Parshas Noyach? Nobody think about Kairach. So he would drop the handkerchief. And he would say, it's a mazel. The earth didn't swallow up my handkerchief as it swallowed up Kairach. Ah, once we're talking about the earth swallowing up Kairach. I heard a moiridikivart. 
And that was it. And people were impressed. Even Parshas Noyach, he has such brilliant ideas on Parshas Kairach. You always have to be able to justify what's the Yud, what's the Nekuda, what's the Nekuda. Always. On the other hand, you have a person, the Nekuda is clear, but the hay was not developed. The structure was not developed. Sometimes you have the Yud and the hay, but there was no Vav. There was no Vav. In other words, it didn't, it didn't touch me. It didn't affect me. It didn't go into my brain. It didn't go into my heart. It didn't go into my kishkas. In that itself, there's many levels. Sometimes, I know how to apply it, but I'm missing the last hay. And the last hay is really creating a structure, an architecture, literally architecture. It's like building a building. That's the hay. Hay is a building. It's very expansive. A beginning, a middle, and an end. Each one is a separate chush. One is the chush of Chachma, one is Bina, one is Midas, one is Malchus. And then, now open your mouth. Before this, don't open your mouth. This is an Avoida. Hashem did this four times. That's why the first word is Ra, Re'iyah. When you see something, it's always one picture. Just a picture. There's always the end of a shear. You have to say, what was the You saw a picture. A picture is always on a kud. It's a yud. There's a lot of details in a picture. A lot of details in a piece of art. But it's one vision. You take a look at it and you see it. That's a nakuda, That's raw. That's chachma. Then there's bina. Then there's midas. Then there's malchus. That's yud and hay and vav and hay. So in all communication, these are the four letters. Oh, akudim. Akudim, nekudim, brudim. Akudim, nekudim are before Atzillus. Atzillus starts brudim, oilam atikon. The other oilam atayu is nekudim, before that is oilam hakudim. But here are the four worlds of tikon. So let's see inside a few minutes. It's clear what I said. Was it missing a yud, a hey, a vav, or a hey? <laughs> yeah, that's before Atzillus. Atzillus begins with brudim. Tikkun, yeah. Interesting words. It's known the klal, the principle in every place. He says, this is a klal. When a mashpia, a giver, wants to communicate light to the recipient, that is not be'erech love. it's not something that is relative to the world of the recipient. It's something beyond. It's something transcendent. I'm not telling you something that you know already. It's something completely beyond the recipient. There has to be a tremendous tzimtzum. Yitzamtzim atzmusoy mikol v'kol. You have to have the courage to shrink, to condense yourself, to go out of your comfort zone, to go out of your space. Mikol v'kol. It's a very humbling process. Because the recipient will never have the capacity to receive it, 
the way the light, the way the flow is expansive and in prosper and in archava and in greatness in the world of the Mashpiyah. After you set aside and you shrink your limit, you limit your very essence, your very core. You're going to, basically, leave. You're going to set aside everything, and you're going to leave only a small, tiny part, particle, that is necessary and capable, nitzrech and roi, to be able to be communicated. And from there, the oir can begin to go to the makabla. So here is a huge yisoid. And that is that the first, first nikud in communication, the first nikud in communication is the ability and the awareness that I want to communicate. And here, again, communication doesn't only mean words. Communication means every connection. It's not just if I'm giving a speech. It's true in a speech too. But it's true in every level of a relationship, every level of communication. It's about stepping out of my own paradigm and tuning into you. Now that's very hard. I just want to say it sounds easy. It's not. Especially, especially if I'm suffering from a deep, deep, deep wound that doesn't make me trust anybody. All I could be doing is feeding myself in order to help myself. To do this takes a lot of confidence because it's dangerous emotionally. You understand what? I'm stepping aside? Really? No, 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 no. I'm not stepping aside nowhere. I step aside, I die. You have to understand the danger of this emotionally. In a relationship, to really be able to create space for the other, you have to be free. You have to be flexible. You have to be pliable. Could be very, very difficult. There could be tremendous fear and paralysis. I'm not going out of my own world ever. I'm staying here. You want come into mine. And sometimes you have that. A person stays, they can't go out. I can't really connect to your world. I'm too, you know, I'm on the defense. I'm on the def- I'm on defense. When I'm on defense, I can't go into your space. I just have to protect my space. It could be subconsciously, but I'm trying to explain. Anybody relates to what I'm saying? Huh? It's a very serious thing. I may not even know how to do it. I may push it and not know how to do it. I may be paralyzed, like stuck. You know, there's insects. They paralyze their foe, and then they kill them. I may be pushed. It's like really stuck, like like they say, call it a deer in the headlights. You ever see? Uh, in, in Muncie, middle of the night, yeah? The deer like freezes. What if you're in that mode? You're the deer. And there's a reason for it, because a car came in the middle of the night, whatever that car looked like, okay? And I froze like the deer. The only difference is the deer, after 20 minutes, went on. I never went on. I'm still frozen in Muncie. Faglivert, it's called in Yiddish. Faglivert. You know what faglivert means? Karush. Karush. Congealed. Faglivert. How do you say that in Russian? Nobody's frozen in Russia. They drink. They're not frozen. Spirit. Spirit. It melts the ice. 
The problem is it melts the ice on the outside, not always on the inside. So what happens? If I'm frozen, I can't do what symptom. I can't, I can't step aside and really tune in. Listening is an art of liberation. Listen, really listening is you have to be able to let go. If I'm busy attacking, I'm busy defending, I'm busy criticizing, I'm busy judging, I'm busy frightened, it's normal. But I can't, I can't do this. You have to understand that a real mashpia has to have self-awareness. Because if I'm in a defensive mode, I can't even begin to do this. If you're talking to your children and you're defensive, you're defensive, you're, you're basically, and, you, and, and, and you're anxious, you can't, I can't even begin to do this. I'm just busy protecting myself and, and, and dodging bullets in my own imagination. So you have to be really self-aware. Are you capable of this? What am I? What is this nekuda? This nekuda is really. He says sometimes ninety-nine percent of what I know is irrelevant to the recipient, and if I stay there, I can't give him anything. It may be irrelevant. It's beautiful stuff for you, completely irrelevant. Do you have the courage to be able? He says very strong words. He has to be my entire essence, the way I know it, I have to say, don't worry, just step aside for a few moments. You'll come back. <laughs> Go to the side room. You're not going to disappear. It may have been real when you were four years old, by the way. And anyway, it's irrelevant if the car is real. It's relevant if my brain thought it was real. You understand? And that's a car. What if it was a truck? What if it was a 48-wheeler truck? You know what happens to the deer? And what if the headlights are blinding? They're not just headlights. You have your hazards on. You know how some cars drive in the middle of the night? They blind you? Now that's all a car. And what if it's psychological? I'm just bringing out, you have to be aware of this step. Can I really put aside almost everything I know, it takes a lot, of, a lot of humility, also creativity, but humility. This is where most communication fails. You want to know the challenge? Why are most speeches boring? Rabbi Isaac, why are most speeches boring? <laughs> Depends where you go, fine. Okay, because you go to the right places. You go to the right places. But what's the issue? So the key issue, I'll tell you the key issue. The key issue is, the person is not really speaking to the people. Of course he's speaking to the people, and he means well, but he's not speaking to the people. He's expressing himself. That's it. And you can't blame him. He's him. He's not me. He's him. So what is he supposed to do? Be me? But that's the art of communication. The art of communication is, it's kaya the Ein Shaif said, I'm becoming finite. God is not finite, he's infinite. No, I'm becoming finite. And here we are. That's communication. You want to know how to give a speech? Learn from the Rabbi Nishalaylam. His speech was mysterious nefesh. He went from being infinite to being finite. Ah, that's how you communicate. You could forget your whole atmos and go into gvul. Wow, that's big. Don't underestimate what a, what a real communication is. Real communication is not expressing myself. That's not communication. 
real communication is, I guess you're so comfortable with yourself, you can set yourself, you could put yourself aside. You say, what do you mean? I'm talking. No, 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 that's not communication. Talking is, the, is just the props. That's not communication. How? They know right away. <laughs> no, that's why there's different worlds. Every world is a different level of the seer. Of course. There's a neshama of Atzillus. There's a neshama of Bria. There's a neshama of Yitzira. Neshama of Atzillus has different glasses. It's almost like, you know, when you see a world through a microscope, you see a different tissue box. If your neshama is from Atzillus, yeah, your glasses are different. <laughs> it says the neshama of Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Adam, Reb Shimon Bayechai, a few neshamas, neshamas or atzilas, they had a certain vision. It says the Rambam was a neshama of Bria. It's brought in Kaldariz also, the Rambam was a neshama of Bria. There's a neshamas of Yitzira, there's a neshamas of Asiya. All neshamas begin with atzilas, all, everyone. We all come from the same source. But the way it evolves, it's like the shear. And within Asiya itself, right, there's endless levels where it stops. In Asiya itself, there's, by the way, two levels. There's Asiya Haruchnis and Asiya Hagashmis. Asiya Haruchnis is the last hey. Asiya Hagashmis is the way the speech leaves the teacher. That's our world. You see, till our world, all the Shiurim are still within the teacher. So they all feel the divine. Our world is the first world where the teacher actually, he said the speech. When you, once you say the speech, now somebody can uh, plagiarize it. Somebody can misconstrue it. As long as it's in my mind, nobody can make games with it. Nobody can play games with it. Nobody can make a macha against me, right? Because it's inside of me. Once you say it, the cat left uh, the bag. Now, first of all, they can quote you, right? Hagoinav menaganev, they can plagiarize. Misconstrue. Misunderstand. You understand? Make machos. That's this world. Here, the speech already goes out and it becomes concretized in a world. The Chiddush is, the ability is to be able to connect this world to all the worlds. So the first step you have to always have is, he says, this ability, what's left over after Kalatzmu, is maybe a little, little part of information this the Mechabal could hear. If I'm sitting down with a five-year-old kid and I want to teach him something, don't teach him what you know, right? You may be a genius, you're looking at a Pasuk Chumash or a Mishnah and you know so much about this. Put it all aside. And tune in. Really tune in. Vahainu inyan hanakuda. And that's pshat, you're left with hanakuda, you're left with a seminal point. So this is the introduction before you get to the first yud even. The inyan hanakuda, you're left with hanakuda. Sheyesh boy beiz And this nakuda, which is a little point, has two aspects. Ha'alev, the first symptom, symptom means condensement, shrinking, compression, is what? That the whole light of the core of the mashpia of the teacher is concealed. It doesn't disappear, it just has to get concealed. You have to put it aside. Nothing disappears, not being destroyed. It's nisalim. Nisalim means, it's like the moon. When it's concealed, the moon doesn't disappear, just I don't see it. I'm not going to show it in my speech. It's not my point. 
Because if I show it, I'm not going to be speaking to you, I'm going to be speaking to me or showing off. You understand? Nis'ala means, can there be parts of you that, have to, that are concealed? It's fine. Not everybody has to see it. So that's the first thing, that the atmos of the mashpia gets concealed. And what's left over? One akuda. Wow. That's all you know? That's all I know. One little, that's all I know. This nakuda. This is my you. That's what I'm left with. Ah, now you're a mashpia. You're left with one akuda. In a revealed way, that's what's left. Why? Because that's what's left from the tzimtzum, that which is worthy to be communicated to the recipient. If it's more than a yud, you won't get it. So you took your whole genius and you condensed it into a yud. But why? Because that yud could be communicated. It's the beginning of it. Vahabez, shemashen nisham min ha-shefa, hugamkin dafka. There's another point. Even that nekuda that's left over from the whole flow is also in a state of tzimtzum. It's condensed. That itself didn't expand yet. In other words, it can't be communicated yet. That leftover information, that yud, is also tzimtzum. First is... That 99% is concealed and you're only left with a Yud. Now that information in the Yud wasn't developed yet. It's still a seminal point. Venikra Ayin. Still a state of Ayin. Ayin means no thingness. You can't give that Yud over yet. It's, it's tiny. There's no Hamshacha. There's no Ispashtos. There's no meat and potato. There's no breadth. There's no depth. There's no length. There's no length. It's not yet Gilui. So there's going to have to be a hay. <laughs> there's still going to have to be a hay to take that Yud and turn that Yud into a mansion, into an expansive mansion. So in the beginning, when I spoke about the four stages, I said Yud and hay is in the Mashpia, Vav and hay is in the Makabal. But here we're learning something even more. Before you begin, you start with Tzimtzum. Before you begin, Bechlal. Because Yudke Vavke is already communication. Hashem is communicating. It's a name, Yudke Vavke. Mahava. You want to be Mahava? Yud. Then is a hey, then is a vav, then is a hey. Let's just go, Mama, shut up a few moments. I want to finish it. Generally, you'll understand from this how it works, Lamaila. Lamaila means Bahashem. Here he describes the whole thing the way it's describing the divine. That what? Since the core, the essence of the Ur, of Hashem's light, is infinite, it's called Ur Pashat Betachlis, it's absolutely undefined. So if that was manifested in the Bria, what would the world be? <laughs> the world would be Ayrein Saif Mamash. Would be pure undefined infinity. If that was manifested, that would be manifested. 
Again, imagine the teacher's shear. Everything, the way it's in him comes out. What's left from the five-year-old? He's like, that was boring. <laughs> right? That was boring. In this case, you wouldn't say that was boring. You'll say, okay, I guess I can't come into existence. <laughs> I can't come into existence. So what's the first step? He says, Imcha mekar chayim. The buzzer says, with you is a source of life. So he says, even the source of life, Hashem as a source of life is only Imcha. Imcha means it's with you, it's not you. In other words, it's not Be'erich of Atzimus. In other words, Elikus as a Mekar Chayim is completely condensed relative to the core. No thought can grasp him, even the highest thought. So therefore, you want to create Hishtal Shalosa'olam as the evolution of the world. The first thing, this is how the Eitz Chayim of the Arizal opens up. There has to be what? A Tzimtzum. What's the idea of Tzimtzum? Tzimtzum means to condense, to filter, to shrink, to compress, to limit, to withdraw, to withdraw. What's the withdrawal of Tzimtzum? It's this withdrawal. The air has to be concealed. doesn't have to be obliterated, but it has to be concealed. What does it mean it has to be concealed? Where does it go to? So he says, the air is nichlov in alem ba'atzmusa. The air goes back to the core. <laughs> It, it's called to speak, goes into the core and it's not manifest. Just like by the teacher. He doesn't lose his light, but the light remains concealed in his essence. In the communication, what can come? But if all the light goes back to the essence, there's no world. So he says, Ephes Katseyu, one little particle or wave of light. One little particle or wave of light can come out which could be responsible for the creation of all of the universes that could now assume some form of defined identity. You get it? This is where the teacher and student metaphor is so important. What's the symptom by the teacher? The first thing. This is not about me. It's about you. I'm telling you it's the hardest part of communication. <laughs> I once gave, I once gave, uh, I was invited by the Pentagon to speak to all the chief of chaplains of the U.S. Army. So unlike a Jewish event, they gave me two years to prepare. You know, the Jews call you a night before, a few hours before, at best a week before. The Yekes, six months before. The Hasidim, after. They call you after. But... Uh, but the American army, you know, they, nished, uh, they you know, they, they call early. So I had two years to prepare. And I prepared well. My Sashoy, I came. Hilton had South Carolina. I came the night before. I'm sitting in my hotel room. And I'm writing. I'm just, you know, going through my notes. I'm reading it. And... Uh, but when I came the night before, I met the people. I met the chief of chaplains. His name was, was his name is Douglas Carver, and I met a lot of other people. And you know, I met the soldiers. I met the. It was the first time I really saw the culture of the U.S. Army from up close. You know, it's a whole culture. It's a universe. It's not uh, with the saluting and the saluting and different salutes. You know that there's a different salute for a different rank. You know that. You don't know that. And I didn't know how to do it. So Yankel Goldstein, my friend, says, "Stop saluting." Because you're doing everything wrong and you could be penalized. 
Because the worst thing is you salute a four-star general with the salute a chayach to a three-star general. Achaz You know what I mean? It's like, it's like 900 push-ups. So he says, you're a good guy, but 900 push-ups may be a little above the limit. So just stop saluting. You're a, you're, you know, you're, a, you're a regular citizen. You don't have to salute. If they don't salute, it's medida b'malchaz. Anyway, it's a whole culture. So I'm meeting all these people, and I met. Three in the morning, I was sitting, and the priest, was mo- a lot of priests, because it's chaplains. So they wake up early, and there was, I, was, I had a room by the beach. By, there was an old, beautiful ocean. So they were jogging. Three, four in the morning, they were all jogging <laughs> with the Bible. Jogging, jogging, jogging. And uh, I'm looking at the crowd that I'm saying, and I'm like, this speech is good, but it's just not, it's not going to hit the spot. It's just not going to hit the spot. Because I wrote the speech from a very Jewish, I'm a Jew, right? You may have noticed that. I grew up Jewish. My parents are Jewish, right? I married a Jew. My shviga is a Jew. My mother is a Jew. My father is a Jew. I grew up in a Jewish community. I still live in a Jewish community. So we think a certain way. And then I'm like, it was all good, but it was just... (laughs) It was good for a dinner of the Mir Yeshiva. Signed <laughs> the Telsa Yeshiva. Maybe Yeshiva University, but this is, uh, this is, uh, this is people, they don't have your traumas. <laughs> they don't have your issues. They don't have your insecurities. They have a whole different reality. Can you tune into it? I push it, scratch the whole thing. I threw it in the garbage. I'm like, I'm not saying a word of this. And I rewrote the whole thing. Why? I knew right away, I just felt that it was all nice, but it was all from my world. You have to go out of your world. It's not an easy... First of all, you have to know about the other world. How do you even know about the other world? You have to listen. You have to tune in. You have to be curious. You have to find out about the other world. People talk to teenagers, right? You see sometimes Rosh Yeshivas, Mashpiyim, Mashgichim. They fabreng with them and they give a Musa Shmuz in Yeshiva, they give a Shir. But all of the teenagers, you ever see that glazed, dead look? You ever look? You ever see? Huh? You ever see that dead? You remember when you were a teenager? You know that dead look on the 17-year-old, 16-year-old? It's like, <laughs> yeah. like when is the old man going to be done? They're not arguing with them, right? There's just no... He means well. He, he's saying beautiful things. But it's just so irrelevant. Why? He didn't bother ever to go out of his own world and really, really tune in what this person is going. Like, who are you? And then say, whatever I know is irrelevant. <laughs> that has to go back into me. It'll be fine. I'll, we're going to come back to it in an hour. I'm not going to take your departure now as a sign for what I'm saying. And then you have to, that's a yud, that's a very courageous yud. What's le- what are you left with? You're left with a, a little shefa. So that's the tzimtzum that happened in Ein Soif. Hashem was ready to become finite. Kivayachal. Let's just finish. The Pasuk says in Eoiv, Job 12, he reveals the depths from darkness. 
Megala, he's Megala. Megala Amukas, the Sefer Megala Amukas is from this Pasuk, Reb Shapiro from Krakow. Megala, fam- famous Sefer, Megala Amukas. He reveals it, meaning what's Choshech from darkness? How do you reveal light from darkness? So he says the Ein Sefer is called darkness. Why? Because it's not accessible. It can't be manifested to me. Sometimes the greatest light is the greatest darkness. If you don't have Kalim for it. Right? What we're calling Chayshech just means, for me, it's dark. It's like if you look at the sun in the middle of the day, look at the sun, what is it going to do to your eyes? It's blinding. Why? No light? Too much light. Too much light, you don't look at it, but it's dark. So he says, this Chayshech Ha'atzmi, the essential darkness of Ein Saif, it's essentially dark. Not dark in a negative sense, but completely beyond what I can absorbs, I can't call it light. Light is communication. What's light? Revelation. Revelation. But in science today, what's light? Light is basically the method of communication. If you want a sophisticated term for communication, it's light. That's God's term. We call it speeches, communication. God's term for it is light. Everything emits light. Light is the gilui. But if it's not the gilui, there's no word. It's chayshech. That's called chayshech. The black hole, this is the black hole, the ultimate black hole. Black hole has light. But it's so pow- the power of gravity is so deep, so powerful, that it, it doesn't allow the light to escape. So it's called the black hole, because it has the most light. You understand? It's Gavaldic. The black hole has more light than anything else. Why is it called black? The answer is because the gravitational pull is so powerful, it holds the light back, so the light is not emitted. So what does it become? It becomes a black hole because it's full of light. That's a marshal for Choshech of Ein Saif. <laughs> it's the biggest light, so it's dark, it's black. It's a black hole. You understand? That's the tzimtzum. All the oil has to stay in the atmos. Can't come out. Oh, in order to be able to release a little light. So he says, so what happens? So from this is Megala Amukas comes an Akuda. One Akuda. Megala. From this Choshech is Megala an Akuda. Vahainu la'acher atzimtzum vahelem shenikra Amukas. The Choshech sister nimshech achakach p'chines giluyer. What gilu? That little particle that the world could ultimately receive and it, become, it can become the identity of creation. That's the gilu post tzimtzum. Omnam that's the Yud. Omnam But now we have the second symptom. Even this revelation can't do anything for me. What's the student going to do with my Yud? It's it's too it's too iron. It's it's for me it's nothing. But for the student it's everything. If you give him that iron, he's like, oh, I, I don't know what you're talking about. So now you have to take that Yud and develop it. You understand? And that's really, that's even a, that's another level of mysterious nefesh. <laughs> that yud, you could say it's not serious, it's not, there's nothing there. No, no, no. For the students, it's everything. That yud, you now have to turn into something. From ayin, you have to turn it into a yesh, to a hey. That's what he says. 
that yud is still concealment for the world. Ah, you just said, that's what's left over, that could go into the world, that's true. But you're going to need to develop that nekudah into his pashtas. In a nekud, it's beyond revelation. So it's called ayin. No thingness. It's called ayin for two reasons. From the perspective of atzmos, why is it called ayin? Because it's nothing. It's just the seminal last point. So it's called ayin. The world will also call it ayin. Why? Because it's no thingness. Ayin is nothingness, and ayin is no thingness. Atzmos calls it ayin. Why? Because it's just the leftovers. It's ayin. It's not tefes makam legabe the full light. The world's call it ayin. It's too beyond. It's no thingness. It's intangible. It's still a yud. Without the hey, it's still a yud. So they both call it ayin from opposite reasons. From Atzmas it's ayin, because it's just the Nakuda, it's what's left over from the whole earth, that which can ultimately be relatable to the universe. From the universe's perspective, it's called ayin, because it's still completely beyond me. It's just a seminal point, and it still needs to be, it still needs to be developed, be able to be articulated. That's going to be the later process. So in every person's life, you have a metaphor for these aspects. You have an element of this. Uh-huh. Okay. We're going to take a break here. So I'm away for a few days. I'm away for a few days. So this week there won't be a shirim anymore. There won't be a shir tomorrow, Tuesday, and also not Thursday. Um, not for the women and not for the men. So please, your wives or daughters who come, if you could tell them tomorrow there's no class. I announced it last week. So Tuesday there's no class and Thursday there's no class. And then we're going to resume Blineder next week. Shabbos, yeah. But not, not, not Tuesday and not Thursday. So I wish everybody a wonderful week. In all four stages, the Yud and the Hay and the Vav and the Hay. Hatzlach thank you for Thank you for gracing us. Welcome. He's with us every day from Montreal. I was saying Yud and Hay of Oven Hay in the beginning. Yud and Hay is in the teacher, of Oven Hay is in the teacher. It's all true. But here he went a step further. You have to understand that even the first Yud comes after a big tzimtzum. There's still going to be Vav and Hay. That's a whole other. <laughs> the tzimtzum makes it relatable. Tzimtzum creates identity. Oh, so we learned via Daita Moskva that what happens after 40 years in the Yud is really everything, it's just concealed. So ultimately, you can unravel it from the Yud. Ultimately. In other words, it's not like the teacher, when he's giving a shir, he forgot everything he knows. It's all there. It's just not being communicated in a way that's overwhelming. But it's there in the words. So therefore, after 40 years, the student could reach and see things that he never saw in the beginning, not because they weren't there, because the tools were, give, were limited. He can do reverse engineering, yeah. When the student becomes like the teacher himself, so then he can see it from a different perspective. You understand? He sees it from down 
looking up. The teacher sees it looking down. It's a different, but it's the same thing, but it's really opposites. So reverse engineering is when he could see that whole process. If you want a relationship, that's if your relationship to God, you're asking a good question. Do you have to know your car in order to drive it? Excellent question. No, no, I like it. Do you have to know your car? You don't have to know your car. It's a beautiful, beautiful question. So what do you have to know all this? So that's if your relationship with Hashem is like a relationship with a car. Listen to what I'm telling you. So a relationship with a car, you're right. And that it, there are streams of Judaism that, that keep it that way because there's a certain simplicity. It's a safe structure. Yeah, it, it could work. What happens if you're married to somebody? And you say, listen, you're just my car. I don't want to know about you. I don't want to know what's happening inside of you. You're just a car. I'll be with you, we're going to go to Costco together, but you're a car, remember. And I appreciate you, and I'm going to invest a lot of money in my car too. I want my car to be beautiful, and I want my car to be perfect, and my car I cherish, and I'll do anything for my car. But I really don't want to know anything about you. (laughs) Okay, so the Shulchan Aruch... Shulchan Aruch tells you, right, so you could, right, so there's different levels of a relationship, so there's a relationship where I could just give you rules, when your wife comes home, you smile, and you say, hi, (laughs) good evening, like when your car, like when, and that's beautiful, and that's beautiful, and that's beautiful, parallel parking, yes, Parallel park, respect for the car. Don't crash it. Be sensitive to it. Don't slam the door like a mashugana. Keep it clean. Yeah? Let it get a manicure every few weeks, a pedicure. Take it to the station. Make sure it's givaldic. And it's all beautiful. And it has to be at Mavatl. But Epis is missing, yeah? What's missing? <laughs> the Pnimius. The salt of the soul. So Pnimi Yisataira helps the Jew the, will create and cultivate a relationship that's Pnimi to Pnimi, soul to soul, Ponim Viponim. So Musr is Givaldic, but Musr focuses more on behaviors that are good, behaviors that are not good, Midas that are good, Midas that are not good. Givaldic. So why is this and it's important. Why is more, why is I don't know better. I don't know why better. Is a deeper perspective? Why is the deeper perspective? Well, le- you learn. Not deeper. The whole Torah is one. The whole Torah is one. Everything is one. It's like a tapestry. It's a mosaic. Every part of Torah gives out a different layer of Torah. Yeah. yeah it's true. The focus in Panemisa Torah is to really discuss the core. The core of creation. The core of a person the core of existence, understanding everything from a primal state. Taka in a relationship, if I can understand and you can understand my, my, my deepest primal state, both my gifts, my fears, my challenges, my talents, and we could connect from that place, just a different 
It's a different level of connection, and there's a different joy in the connection. Right. So what a person could think in this, how does this apply? So let's say I want to connect to somebody. Yeah? Let's stay in a marriage, for example. Yeah. One of the hardest, I would say this is one of the hardest steps in every marriage. And that is, can I really, really suspend? Can I really, that you, that symptom. Can I really suspend everything I know about you? Suspend it. Whether it's right or wrong is almost irrelevant. And really, really tune into your world. To other person's world. Your spouse's world. Really. Not say I am or talk, I'm listening while I'm texting. Or even I'm listening just to, you know, rebuff, to, to, to tell you why you're wrong. Or even just to say, okay, I hear. You know how men, I hear, okay. They think it's like in yeshiva. I hear, doesn't work. <laughs> Without deadheading. But can I really, really um, create space for your Weltanschauung, for your feelings, your emotions, your perspective, and really, really appreciate it? Like, really? Even though I, I, I completely don't, don't think that way. I completely don't feel that way. I'm just giving one illustration. Oh, where, where did she do that? that was the whole Shia, no? Yud. Simpson. <laughs> That's the Yud, yeah. Yeah. Hashem didn't tell me he went from Hashem went from ain't safe to being finite. You know what that is? That's much more than when you have to go through for uh, <laughs> so that's, that's, okay. so that's the thought. That's that's how I did. Yeah. So it's one aspect, yeah. It's a very serious uh, <laughs> trial, see. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.